you today two passages of Scripture, one from the Gospel of John, and I believe we've added a couple of verses to that uh, Scripture out of the 16th chapter, and then finally over to the second chapter of Acts, where we record the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this is what John writes in his Gospel in the 16th chapter, starting there with the 7th verse. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin. Because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then as we go to Acts In the second chapter, starting with the very first verse, we find these words. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Happy birthday, church. Happy birthday. You're over 2,000 years old. Memorial Day, which we will celebrate next weekend, and I know you're all looking forward to that because you get three days off. That's only about 130 years old. But the church is 2,000 years old. And we celebrated on this day, Pentecost, 50 days after we have celebrated Easter, the risen Christ. And originally, this was the Jewish festival of weeks, Shavuot, seven weeks after the first harvest of wheat. And we are told that on that festival day, the Holy Spirit came and descended upon that house in Jerusalem. We are told that there was unusual phenomenon that had happened during that occurrence. There was the sound of a mighty rushing wind and a strange phenomenon about tongues of fire appearing. And the people there were given the ability to speak in different tongues and to also understand those variety of languages. Peter and the apostles there in Jerusalem, I'm sure, felt that this was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel who said that in the latter days God would pour out his spirit upon his people. And moreover, it is most certainly the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus Christ that after he departed from them, he would send the helper, that which was to guide us, that which was to direct us. And as I read the passage out of of the Gospel of John, and I come to that seventh verse, I can't help but stop and reflect because Jesus says these words, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. You know that each and every week we come into this church, we come into his house, we come to worship and to study. And whether we realize it or not, our Christian faith is an attempt to answer one very important question. How are we going to do that without Jesus? How are we going to do that without Jesus? Now, I know immediately when I say that, some of you are saying, what are you talking about? Jesus is here. Jesus is in my heart. And that's a cozy thing to say, but my question to you is, do we really live our lives that way? Or is that just a nice thing to say that gives us some type of comfort? Jesus is here. Do we really believe that the Holy Spirit has been sent to strengthen us and to guide us by his very presence? And that we are to rely on that spirit. Is Jesus here? Is God here? Is the Holy Spirit here? Reminds me of the story is the father who came to church one day. He came into the sanctuary probably very much like this. He had a little girl with him, his daughter. And he was doing some up, something up here by the altar, and his little girl was just running all over the sanctuary, having a good time, skipping, jumping, hopping over pews. And finally he said, wait a minute. Stop that. Stop that. You have to be quiet. This is God's house. To which she stopped and looked around, went back to the door, looked out, came back in and told her father, don't worry, Daddy, God's not home today. Do we act that way sometimes? Do we act that way that God is only here for 60 minutes or 30 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever it is on a Sunday morning? God is here all the time. Christ is here all the time via their Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit. He fills that place. He fills this place. And the text we hear this morning is the fundamental crisis that the disciples and that the early church was faced with, and to a large degree we are faced with, the departure of Jesus Christ. He is the source of our lives. He is the vine beneath which we are so many branches. We did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose us. We are his followers, and yet he is gone. He is physically gone from our presence. We celebrated Easter 50 days ago, and what does the angel say? He is risen. He is not here. Now, we know that part of the story, that he comes back, that he is with the disciples and the followers for over 40 days. And then he leaves yet a second time to ascend to sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And our Easter faith tries to make sense out of this because it's no Jesus. No Jesus. The physical form, the human form that we knew as the divine God is gone. Fred Craddock, who is a distinguished or was a distinguished professor of preaching and the New Testament at Candler Seminary, once said, we're like children. The disciples were like children and we are like children sitting on the floor, playing, looking up to discover our parents, putting on their coats and jackets, getting ready to leave. And we have the same three questions we had for over 20 centuries. And what do you think they are? The first question is, where are you going? The second question is always, can I go too? And after we respond to that, the third question is, well, who's going to stay with me? What am I going to do? 
Don't you think we would have asked the same questions the disciples asked had we been following the Messiah for three years, and now he say he's departing, departing again? Huh? Where are you going? Can I go? Who's going to stay with me? Where are you going, they asked. And Jesus said, I am going to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Can we go, they responded. And he asked, where I am going, you cannot come. Then they said, well, who's going to stay with us? And Jesus says in that passage, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth will come, and he will testify on my behalf. And so my question to you as you are gathered in his house this day, as you practice your faith, how are we going to make it without Jesus? How are we going to make it with no Jesus? And I believe the answer lies and has always lay in the fact that we have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the advocate, the one that he sent to speak for him and to show us the way. The absence of a physical Jesus means the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus had not left, the Holy Spirit would not have come. That's what Jesus tells us. Now that sounds like double talk to a lot of people, especially outside the church. They say that's kind of cozy type of phraseology that we'll use. Outside the church when somebody dies, we talk about their spirit and that their spirit continues to live on and we embrace who they are and what they were. We all say that. I say that at funerals, that as long as we keep those people alive in our hearts, their memories continue to live and hopefully we will emulate the example that they have given us. But what I'm telling you today is the same thing applies with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is gone. He is no longer physically with us, but he has sent the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit might guide, might strengthen, and might answer the questions that we have, that might give us the strength that we need for the task at hand. Jesus knew that his disciples and that you and I were going to face a very difficult world. We were going to face a chaotic world, and that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us. When I was in Pensacola as a flight instructor, I found myself one day over several layers of clouds, typical Florida day, and you couldn't see the ground anywhere, and you had to go through a couple of layers to get up, a couple of layers to get down. And I was doing some radio instrument work, and I won't bore you with what that is, but I will tell you that I lost all my electrical power. So my instruments started to go on the fritz, uh, didn't have an attitude gyro, had an altimeter, radio started to go, transponder, and here I am thinking, how in the world am I ever going to get back? How am I going to make it back? You know, I know some people say, well, you know, just point it down, go through the clouds, and when you pop out, there you'll be. I don't know where that's going to be. It could be in the side of a mountain, could be out in the gulf someplace. Because you don't really know where you are. And I was lucky after all that that I had an instructor pilot who was nearby who could tell that I was in some type of difficulty and came up beside me. We didn't really have instruments or didn't have radios. But by hand signals, I told him, you know, Dan, you know, you could see the expressions on my face, the fear, you know, you could see that. So he guided me. I flew in formation off of him, and we descended down through the clouds, When he slowed down, I slowed down. When he turned, I turned. When he lowered his gear, I lowered my gear. 
and about 500 feet of altitude, we popped out. And I saw the most glorious sight I've ever seen in my life. Because there, right in front of me, was the center line of the runway. And I could land. I had been guided to safety. We all need that kind of guidance. You may not find yourself with no instruments above the clouds, but we all need that kind of guidance in our lives to see us through some of the chaos and some of the conflicting things that we come up in this life. And that's where Jesus sent his Holy Spirit, that the power of the Spirit might be working in each and every one of us, and that is the guide that we can depend on. We may not have Christ here with us physically, but we most certainly have his Holy Spirit. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts with which to feel, do you believe that? Do you believe that? God has sent us our own personal guide. In the Greek, it means to lead the way. This Holy Spirit, this paraclete, means to lead the way. The Holy Spirit comes to guide us in the truth that is God. The truth about sin, the truth about salvation, the truth about life, the truth about death, the truth. He has come to guide us in the truth that really matters and convict us in the process. And without the physical presence of Christ, it's the only thing that we truly have, the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need that. Heaven knows we need that. We don't have a great track record, do we? You know, when it comes to obedience, we're not really good about that, are we? We're great about goodwill. We all like to do free will type stuff. You know, here, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. God, I got a good idea, let me do this. God's not necessarily about that. He's talking about obeying. He's talking about the obedience. Talking about the obedience. And faith requires us to be open to God, and that also means open to his Holy Spirit. Perhaps the Spirit leads us where we don't want to go. Perhaps the Spirit makes us say things that we don't really want to say. Perhaps the Spirit reminds us who we are and whose we are. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it seems to me that is exactly how we live without a physical Jesus. We live by the Holy Spirit, the wind that blows into this world. We're no more in control of God than anybody else, and we spread our arms and let the Spirit take us where he will and to trust in the Spirit that the Spirit will guide us and show us the right path. Do you hear that part in the Lord's Prayer today? A little phrase that we say again and again, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. It represents the understanding that God indeed has promised us a kingdom. But that kingdom is not fully consummated. That kingdom is not fully complete. It is still yet to come, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes. The final kingdom is still a work in present in progress, and the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in us and through us is necessary that we might have life and have it more abundantly, that we might be here to grow and to nurture his kingdom. You know, we live in a very confusing and a chaotic world. Very confusing and chaotic. But the Holy Spirit is here to set us on the right path and to remind us of the truth. If the world grows deaf and blind to God, the Spirit tells us all things were created through him, and without him, not one thing was created. 
If the world confuses us with a bunch of tempting alternatives, the Holy Spirit is there to say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. If the world hates you or mistreats you or abuses you, the Holy Spirit is there to say, the world hated me before it hated you. And I have chosen you out of the world. And if the world tells you that you're all alone, that you're caught off from help and from strength, the Holy Spirit is there to say, what? I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. We are still part of this world, but God is not done. Do you believe that? Do you live your lives that way? Do you live your lives filled with the Holy Spirit that you are listening for the path that he wants to open up to you? The challenge for us is to be aware of the prodding of the Holy Spirit and then never scared to follow him. He's there present in our daily lives. How many times have I told you about consequences instead of coincidences? How many times have I mentioned that to you? Because I truly believe in consequences. And I know a lot of us say, ah, that's the luck of the draw. That's a coincidence. Okay, I get it. But I believe God's touch, especially through his Holy Spirit, is always upon us. I need to share with you a story as I close out today. You know, as a pastor, we often have people come to our office asking for things. Usually, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's lodging, sometimes it's money. And more often than not, we try to do whatever we can to help because all of us believe that's what we were put here to do. One of my churches one day, a a man came in and asked to see me, and I listened to his story, and he wanted me to pay his water bill because it had been turned off. He had been in delinquency. And I don't know what it was, uh, $35, $45. And I apologized, and I said, that's really not what we do. I mean, we could give you you a gas card, or we could give you some food, but we really don't pay utilities. And I said, is there something else I can do for you? He said, no, that's all right. I said, I thank you. And he left. And no longer, no, not... Two seconds after I sat down in a big cushy chair, I could hear the voice, Stiff, get out of that chair. Get out of that chair and go after that man. Don't tell me about the rules and the regulations. Go after him. Sure enough, I get out of the big cushy chair. I get in the car. I drive down the street and I catch him about three blocks down the street going toward the utility place where you pay your bill. And I asked him, go ahead, get in, get in. I'll I'll, I'll take you over there. And I took him over there, and we talked to the lady, and we played the bill, water bill, to say it wasn't much. And then he said, let me take you home. And I took him home. Um, And he lived in a rather run-down, cruddy shack. I don't think it's any place that any of you would want to live. But it was home for him. That's where I paid the water bill for. And before he got out of the truck, he said, do you mind if I pray? And I said, not at all. And his prayer was very simple and very short. He said, Jesus, thank you for bringing this man into my life. 
got out of the truck, walked up the path, and went into his shack. And the tears just flowed. Because I realized that I was the one that should be saying the prayer, Jesus, thank you for bringing this man into my life. The Holy Spirit is alive and well, and he will touch us if we have but eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts with which to feel. You ever experienced something in your life that went about, went beyond chance? Have there ever been times in your life, perhaps only for a fleeting moment, when you have been urged to say something or do something that was totally out of character for you? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've gone in a new direction or down a different path because you had the gut feeling that this is what you were supposed to be doing? I can't help but believe that's not the Holy Spirit. Oh, you can call it intuition. You can call it inspired genius. You can even call it coincidences if that makes you feel better. But what I believe it is, is the guidance and the touch of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we remain open to that Spirit, if we remain truthful to that Spirit each and every day of our lives, then we begin to understand that even though Jesus is not physically with us, he is here all the time. And will be until he calls us home. Would you bow your heads with me?